Hi, I'm Patrick Hollick, and this is a new episode of The Love Show. I'm not used to Zoom, so excuse all the uh, mistakes I'm going to make. It's more important that I have my guest on. is an old friend of mine named Shreni Zen Zawadia, and she's on the front lines in New York City at three different hospitals. And I decided it would be a good time and a good episode to call her and ask what's going on from being, you know, foot on the ground and in the ER oh gosh, over 15 hours a night at this point. So I'm not going to do a long intro. Intro. Uh, this is a technically the COVID-19 episode. Uh, I'm in a bunker somewhere in Bel Air, California. Uh, it's been real. Uh, I've been dealing with it by doing two-hour walks, eating better, meditating, uh, reaching out, talking to people, seeing where I could be helpful and what we can do. And uh, I'd like to just quickly say uh, I'm sorry for everyone out there with tremendous losses because there is a lot of that. Um, and we're all just trying to understand and keep our heads on. Okay, let's start again. Welcome to The Love Show. This is my unorthodox first Zoom meeting. How do you pronounce your name? Uh, first name is Shreni and last name is Zinzuadia. And um, where are you right now? In your office? Uh, yep, I'm in my office in my house in New Jersey. New Jersey. And where have you been working? What hospital are you working at? I work at three different hospitals, mostly. Newark Beth Israel in Newark, New Jersey, which is um, right in the heart of the city. And then I work in two um, outer areas. Union, New Jersey, it's a suburban hospital, and Overlook in Summit. They're both Overlook hospitals. One is in Summit and one is in Union. Okay. You look great for someone that hasn't slept for like three to four weeks. How long have you been having these weird hours? Yeah. Are you asking me how the weird hours are? No, I've been saying how, how long has it been that you've been under this crazy pressure and these hours and this like the pandemic? Yeah. The, the pandemic kicked off the last two weeks. It feels like, a, it feels like a lot longer, but I feel like in actuality, the last two weeks in New Jersey have been absolutely crazy. Um, and it happened really, really fast. Like, you know, first we were just kind of watching and listening to everything rolling out, in, you know, in China and Italy, and it seemed so far away. It didn't seem like it was gonna, we're very, very relaxed. You know, ER doctors are usually, it takes a lot to get us um, freaked out. That would be a good question that I haven't asked. You're an ER doctor? Yes, so I'm an emergency medicine physician, board certified. Okay. I've been doing this for 14 years. Um, you know, I went to med school in Newark, New Jersey at New Jersey Med School. And then I trained in the Bronx, Jacoby Montefiore, and then came back to Jersey. So it's been like 14 years all in all doing this work. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the hours are not new because ER doctors have to work nights, weekends, and days. It's just kind of there's, unless you are majorly senior or have um, administrative duties, you do that. You do that rotation nights, weekends, days. And uh, it's just part of the part of the job. Wow. So that part's not new. The new part, I think, is that, you know, since the pandemic, um, a lot of people, uh, it's kicking up how many um, doctors uh, are getting exposed and have to self-quarantine. Mm -hmm. So the rest of us who aren't getting, uh, you know, who don't have it, have to pick up the slack and work extra. And at this point, you don't have anything and you're not quarantining. Nope. I don't have no. any symptoms and I'm not quarantined and I feel good. What's the process like when you get to work? Do you have to wear that whole like, you know, the, the hazmat or how's it going? Like you come yeah. in, tell me what a day's like. 
yeah, so that's been evolving too. So, you know, at first it was like, eh, you know, it's coming, you know, let's put on some masks. We're worried about somebody with symptoms. So at first it was like, oh, if somebody has symptoms of respiratory distress, if somebody's traveled to this country, yeah, if you go see them in a room, definitely put on a mask, which was maybe an N95 mask or maybe just a surgical mask that didn't really keep anything out. It was very laxed. And as it quickly progressed to, okay, didn't matter where you were coming from, didn't travel history, didn't matter. And it didn't matter if you were, um, well, actually, it still mattered if you were symptomatic. So once it changed to symptomatic, then it became like, okay, it's time to wear some gear. And then one of the companies I work for in Vision, when um, they, they're a national uh, physician employer group. So when, when they started having a lot of exposures across the country, maybe more in California, they told us up front, you know, we've had, you know, 50 providers quarantined. It's time to wear complete PPE. They put out an email saying, so PPE is personal protective equipment which means a mask, typically an N95 mask, um, goggles or a face shield, because if you get any of it in your eyes or you know, splashed on your face, that's how you can get it. And you know, preferably some kind of a hood or a headgear because it can live in your hair. Uh. And a disposable gown on top of your scrubs when you go into a room. And booties on your feet, which you know, it's not critical, but booties would help. How does Absolutely. booties help? You're going, you're throwing a lot out that like, we're totally like, you know, um, in your hair, how long does it live in your hair? And what is it, a platelet of it? What, uh, how does that break down? Right, so that's, so that it's, so it's a virus, it's coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know how long it lives in your hair. There's a lot of information out there about how long it lives on cardboard and how long it lives on metal and how long it lives on wood or cart or um, paper bags, um, um, but hair, and clothing, I think people are mostly estimating maybe four to eight hours. That's why, so whenever I come home from work, I have to go straight into the shower, hot water, soap, wash, just to get it all off forearm hair and um, this hair. And it's a protein in the protein family and it doesn't like suds. I don't, I'm just quoting what yeah. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, like as far as, I think I know what you, you know, I've heard the same thing. It's like, um, it's easily broken down by detergents. It is a protein. It's broken down by detergents. Lots of suds break it down. Hot water, soap, um, and obviously bleach and you know disinfectants will disrupt its membrane and destroy it basically. So 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 what? I, yeah. So what I have to wear has evolved. So initially. It was, you know, wear a mask if you're going into a room with somebody who is suspected. And now it has rapidly evolved to, you know, I'm, we're wearing um, an N95 mask with a surgical mask on top, with goggles, with a face shield on top, with um, some kind of a he headgear, you know, a hood. Yeah, I've been looking at your pictures, but I'll put, I'll put a couple in here. It's looking very like, you know like yeah. wartime war more and more yeah. as you go. Yeah. Um, now at one of my hospitals, we were getting Tyvex overalls, which is a whole jumpsuit with a hood um, that you're gonna, that we wear the whole shift. And then on top of that, a gown. So everything's like now double layered. So one to two masks, goggles and face shield, um, after your scrubs, the Tyvex, and then a, and then a, um, a robe, you know, a dis, dis, this um, disposable gown on top of that. And, and how, so you don't have to wipe down your shoes and destroy your shoes with every bleach wipe, right? Every time you wear them, you're going to bleach wipe down your shoes. Booties will help just save your shoes, I guess. 
Got it. And then when you go in a room, are you in a room full of affected pe infected people? And then you have to re-robe? Because they were saying things like when you test, they had to do a hazmat every test and it was going to take forever when they're doing those car lines. Um, is that similar? Or do you work in like a very infected space and then you do you change the wardrobe? How does it work? See, that part's interesting because there's not, you know, when there was plenty of gear and it was just one patient that you're worried about being contagious that gets put on droplet precautions like if you have a patient that's put on droplet precautions because this is big enough this virus is big enough to be passed through droplets so like saliva respiratory particles um that we didn't have that many of those patients so yeah you'd fully gown up just to go in the room and then take everything off in the ante room the patient would be in a negative pressure room the special room to suck out all the air You'd go in through a special entrance called the anteroom, gown up fully in there, then go in the room, then take off your gown in the room and your gloves, and then come out of the room, and then take everything else off in the anteroom and come out. But now we are in an infected area where everybody's infected, right? So we're, we, we, every hospital has to be really um, aware of how much PPE there is because we'll run out. If we, do, if we do that now for every patient, we will run out of protective gear very fast. So it's changed from doing that to gowning up, you know, wearing the Tyvex overalls and then putting that second gown on when you're going in the room and then wiping it down when you come out now because okay. we don't have enough gear now to just throw it all in the garbage after every time we, we see a patient because now it's every single patient. Sure. So and how many do you, you, you're working at how many facilities? Three? Three, yeah. And how many patients are per that you have in each one right now? Right. So, so it's funny because in general, our volume at all the ERs has gone down. Like volume's gone down because we're telling people stay home, don't come in. If you have an eye, you know, all the minor stuff people would come to the ER for. We're like, don't come in for that. You know, if it's minor, stay home. But everybody who is coming in is coming in with symptoms of COVID-19 infection, right? So it's, I'm short of breath. <clears throat> I have headaches. I have a fever. I have a stomach ache. I have diarrhea. Um, and so we're still seeing a good volume of these patients. So overall, we're still busy. We're not as busy as we were when it was all comers, but we're still busy with everybody being an infected patient with some symptom of the infection. Did that answer the question? I feel like I got lost there on the way. Well, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. So um, out of, is there hundreds of people in ER, thousands, or is it like, because the news and the media is really hard on uh, us to understand. It's like right. everything. Like I saw that documentary on London building that huge facility with 5,000 beds in a fortnight, and it was uh -huh. amazing. And right. you're like, okay, what? And in New York, uh, from Los Angeles is like D-Day. It's like happening right now. It looks like it's going crazy and we're supposed to be right behind it. Uh, it's just hard with all the information. That's why I wanted to talk to you because you're in it. You're in right. the hotspot. You're in the hospital working at three hospitals. Right. I'm trying so to get an awareness of it. Yeah. So if I work an eight to 10 hour shift, like last night I worked a 10 hour shift, I probably saw 30 patients, maybe 20, 20 to 30 patients with it. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll range from super duper sick, needing tons of attention, needing oxygen, um, needing to be put in the ICU to medium sick where they're short of breath, but their pulse ox is 92, 
93, so they're borderline. We really want everyone to be above 95 when they go home. Um, to very mild, my chest hurts, I'm short of breath, but my pulse ox is normal. And I walk them around the room and I'm like, hey, you're, you're not really, you feel like you're having trouble breathing, but you have no objective trouble breathing. So until you get to that objective point, I'm gonna send you home. So maybe 20, 30 patients um, per shift. So the volume's lower than usual, but the number of patients is higher. So New Jersey's now at 22,000 cases. I, I just, I think I, we're in that ballpark now. Um, Bergen County has 5,000 cases. That's the number one. I'm in Essex County. That's number two. We have about 3,000 cases uh, and the rest is spread out across the state. I forget what New York's at. So um, yeah, Manhattan and Long Island now and the surrounding, the surrounding um, Westchester County, right? So it's like the greater New York area is hit hard. Um, so, so we're seeing more, so overall patients are down, but, but um, COVID infected or exposed patients up um, 20 to 30 per shift. And New Jersey has now is doing what New York's doing. We're opening up three field hospitals with beds. The first one I think is just opening yesterday or today in Sea Caucus and two more opening up and they're gonna have 24 hour physicians in there. And I'm not sure what they're gonna be doing there, but they're gonna, I guess, unload some of the, the intensity of the hospitals. The three, the one, two of the hospitals I work at are tertiary care, tertiary care centers, which means they're 500 bed hospitals, they're big. They're all filled with COVID infected patients. So, okay. right, so maybe like, um, let's say one of the hospitals I work at has 150 it, it admitted people with COVID, so half the, half the beds. Um, and then of those, maybe 50, 30 to 50 are on ventilators. The other hospital, we have 50 ICU cases, 40 of them are on ventilators, and total like an another 100 admitted patients with COVID. Mm. And that's, that's how it's going. So it's, it's um, those are kind of the numbers we're seeing. And do you feel like, how are you, how are you maintaining? You just, it's just all your training and all these years have made you ready for this point? or you're exhausted, or you're, you're not freaked out uh, about yourself or your own family, how are you dealing? Yeah, I mean, at first I wasn't freaked out. You know, it takes, it takes a huge, it takes a lot to freak out a physician in general. Like physicians in general, you go through this residency training where you're working, at least when I trained 10 years ago, you're working 60 to 80, hour, 60 to 80 hours a week, nights, days, weekends, the profession owns you, right? You're trained so that the profession owns you. So you're not like, that's what that training's for. That three to five years of training, whether you're an ER doctor or internal medicine or surgery for seven, eight years, your physician, your, it's like boot camp for three to five to seven years. So when you come out, you are comfortable with anything. So it takes a lot to make a doctor nervous. So an ER doctor also, we see what? Gunshot wounds, knife wounds, heart yeah. attacks, strokes, right? So you're kind of used to that. Um, increase in adrenaline, drop in adre adrenaline, increase, drop, increase, drop, the whole shift. So you're kind of like, you're kind of there. So when we heard about the virus coming, most of us were like, not worried. We weren't worried. It took a lot. All my friends across the country were just like waiting, just kind of waiting, not impressed, not worried, not, not like overreacting like a layperson would to like, oh my God, a virus is coming. We're going to have to quarantine. We were kind of like, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But now that it's come, it is my, it, it's overwhelming. It's, mm -hmm. it's definitely overwhelming. Um, I don't think you get overwhelmed until you have 
patients coming in that you know are probably going to die, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you have a 70-year-old guy with heart failure who comes in and his heart, his respiratory rate's in the 50s, his, his oxygen saturation's in the 70s, which is, you know, typically something we consider not really compatible with living too long. And he's comfortable, but he's blue. His lips are blue, his fingers are blue. And you, you know that his chances of getting through this are not that great. And mm -hmm. what do you, what do I do? What do I, what do I do? What do I tell him? What do I say? You know, I don't know that when I, the more of those that you see, mm -hmm. the more um, unnerved you'll, you become, you become unnerved when you can't fix people, right. you know, that's when it starts getting a little, it starts getting scary. And, and that's where we're at now. Have you seen, been watching it in the media or you got no time for it? I watch the media just to hear how it's being, um, like I watch, you know, I watch Donald Trump's speeches, I watch Como's speeches, just to kind of see, mm -hmm. I watch Bill Murphy, he's the governor of New Jersey, just to see what they're putting out there, how the law, because there are laws changing now, you know, they're actually putting laws into effect that are changing and going to affect how we practice. Um, you know, they've, you know, Como suspended supervision of, um, of physician assistance by, by, by physicians, so that's a change in the law, and I think there's even some tort reform going on that um uh you know is going to affect things so yeah i watch the media for sure do you think they're making it uh worse or it's it's worse than they're making it or how what's your perception from being hands-on um that's a good question i and initially i thought they might have been exaggerating but now i think they're accurate i think mm -hmm. it's as bad as as bad as it sounds i have physician friends that work in new york city that are um the, the shifts they tell me about, like intubating eight people in eight hours, that's a lot. Like putting eight people on a ventilator in eight hours is a lot. To be mm -hmm. over, my friend at New York, you know, at a hospital in Queens, you know, she, there's a low healthcare literacy there. People are not, were not self-quarantining. They would come into the ER for their usual complaints. They'd spend six hours in the waiting room next to other people close to each other, no wow. masks on their face, just exposing each other. And at one point she got up and yelled out, um, you know, if you're not sick, go home. And only two people took her up on it and the rest of them stayed. So, wow. you know, when you're in those places where it's tight quarters, people live on top of each other. There's, you know, very, very, very densely populated and they don't have good healthcare literacy. They don't really know what it means to self quarantine or the six feet of distance away. They don't really get what's happening. Um, you're in trouble. Like you're, you're, you're in big trouble. You, those hospitals are, they're the one, they're the reason why the peak's going like this and not flattening because everybody's getting sick at the same time. And the hospitals are overwhelming the system. Yeah. It's overwhelming the system. And, and how much, uh, the, a lot of this argument or questioning about it as uh, old versus young, are you seeing just every type and, um, the rates of recovery? Have you seen recovery yet? Or are you just yeah. into the sickness? Like, there's this thing where it's like, oh, I'm young, I don't have to worry, or I don't have conditions. And then it's like, no, that's not true. Like people that are like athletic are, are dying. I just, that's another one to clarify or to get your take on. Yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Do you have 30 seconds so I can run and plug in my computer? It's about to die. Yeah. I'm going to run. I want to know what's on off camera that you keep looking at. I was going to try to secretly text my 17-year-old to help me 
plug in my computer. That's what I was looking at, but he didn't answer the text. So you can save a life, but you're having a hard time with your computer. <laughs> there. Okay, we're good now. Perfect. Uh, what were you saying? Oh yeah, young and old. Um, I'll tell you, one of my hospitals, three people have come off the ventilator and mm -hmm. they're gonna go, you know, they're gonna go home. That's the first good news we've heard. Older or younger patient? I don't know how old they are. I don't okay. know how old they are. And my other hospital <clears throat> I was talking to the ICU team and uh um, it, uh, it's like a lot of old people on ventilators, but a lot of middle-aged people. So a lot of 50 to 60 year olds on ventilators, but then we have these outliers of a couple of 30 year olds on ventilators, a couple of 40 year olds on ventilators. Now they say that there's some, there's always, there's usually some underlying disease, diabetes, asthma, even obesity is putting people at risk. Um, but then there's one or two of these cases you that we hear about that we have at these hospitals where they have no medical problems mm -hmm. and they're on a ventilator and nobody can account for why their immune system is weaker and why mm -hmm. they're sick. We don't, I don't think we know yet, but yeah. So, so in general, I'm paranoid, like I'm very healthy, but I still feel like um, I have to do a lot to make sure I stay healthy. Yeah. I'm giving the kids, all kinds of vitamins, vitamin C, I'm giving them zinc, magnesium, we're drinking hot tea every day, and I'm doing what is supposed to keep your immune system strong so that this virus doesn't come in and just destroy you. Mm -hmm. And we're all healthy, like no, nobody in my family, we have no medical problems, but- Are your kids worried about you every day or how's that going? No, your family life. Yeah, I think, my, I think my husband's worried that I'm gonna come home and infect everybody, but but no one else is worried. Everybody mm -hmm. else is pretty, pretty calm and cool. You know, the kids are calm and cool. They're, they're, they're not worried. They watch you the news mm -hmm. and they're just kind of taking it all in. Do you see light at the end of this? Do you see something? Do you think that, that they'll come up with something or they're learning more as they go on how to stabilize or, or it's just all up in the air and just survival mode for everyone right now? I think, I think it's survival mode for everyone. And I'm hoping herd immunity kicks in where we develop enough antibodies in the community that you would just, we don't get sick. Cause can you imagine going through this again in the fall? No. Like that, that's what I can't imagine. I can't imagine doing this now and then doing it again in five months. Like that doesn't, that doesn't bode well. So is this thing gonna hit us this hard again? Like it's not leaving, it's gonna be in, it's out here now, it's not going away. So what do we do? Do we all develop antibodies and then we're, we're safe or, or not? And I don't think anybody knows yet. Mm -hmm. We know yet. Do you think summer is going to slow it down or there's no hope for that? There should be hope for that. I mean, that's why the flu season kind of peaks in the fall and drops off by the spring. Theoretically, the heat, the warm weather is supposed to make it kind of go away. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm praying for the, the hot, the, the warm weather to kind of make this just kind of quiet down and disappear. Mm -hmm. When do you go back? What's your next day tomorrow? No, tonight. I work tonight. tonight. Yeah, and I work tonight. Yeah. And you're going to which uh, three spots, one spot? How do you, what's, what's tonight look like? Tonight's going, it's always one spot at a time. Yeah, it's tonight, one, one night for uh, 10 hours. So okay. I'll go at nine and I'll, I'll be done by 7 a.m. Wow. There's yeah. a lot to ask you, but then there's too much to ask you. So I'm just going to stop for a little while and maybe check back in with you in a couple of weeks. But it's fascinating. I really don't, you know, have, we have weird perception of it in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, um, what's all the that, there? Um, 
the friends that are, um, it's funny because people that are more like kind of crazy have been really good with it. And the ones that have been, I think it becomes like, what's your belief in God right now? Do you know what I mean? You get to test that to the utmost to see, you know, and who's good in a, uh, in a fire. Some people are losing their minds. They're staying home. They're watching CNN and they're not going outside and they go into like the grocery store, like, you know, road warrior. (laughs) <laughs> they got gloves and things and everything, you know what I mean? And then there's, uh, I'm just hiking a lot, staying away from people, overly washing the house and the, in the hands and just trying to create some sort of cardio, meditate so I'm not stressed out, Yeah. you know? And just, it's hard though to have no human interaction, which I haven't had none, but I, I, I stayed my distance from friends of mine that I had the same crew that we hike every day or we walk for two hours. Right. just to like be outside right. but um you know they've taken away our hikes we can't go on the traditional hikes in my neighborhood every park's closed everything's done it's just like grocery stores or what are you doing here right you know? that's hard yeah that's, really hard. that's what's up but they i think they got scared of the new york data and they shut us down really quickly so if they see you like if you go outside you're gonna get would you get stopped and you know would somebody find no you? not at this point but you see a lot less people out a lot less people. Construction's going on. Um, you know, trash is coming. That's it. Like this, it's just like grocery store, home, and then a few people doing the fitness thing. Right. You know, but they hit it so hard. I went to my hike, which normally has six people, and there was like 150. Next day, our mayor was like, "Parks and beaches are closed because there was that thing in the news that trended where the whole beach looked like you know Coachella." Wow. Everyone went to the beach that one day and shut down all public parks, tennis courts, all that kind of stuff. It's just wow. one and done. So now we have to invent hikes like where we'll go to streets we know that are safe to like walk up the mountain and have enough room to not get hit by a car. Right, right. But that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to keep a level head and being sober and having those kind of tools is good now because like you're calling people and walking them off ledges. There's a lot of people that are just kind of losing it and and most of the people that are losing it are watching a lot of media yeah right so they're I just like and i think cnn you know they're pretty good at freaking people out yeah, you know I the foxes and cnn's are just like there's yeah, got to be a middle right you know it's yeah. so dramatic yeah you know it's hard i don't i don't i watch it sort of as like let's see what the entertainment is tonight and let's see like how they're going to spin this yeah so yeah. I know when I watch it that it's, I, you know, it's kind of a manipulation, kind of a ratings thing, kind of. Yeah, a, it's a show. Scared. Yeah, yeah. So I'll watch it just for that fix sometimes because I'm like, what's, what are they going to, what are they saying this time? What's going to, what are they going to say? Mm-hmm. And then compare it to what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wake like, up in the morning and I look at the John Hopkins numbers and I'm like, okay, a lot of cases, not a lot of recovery, death is rampant. And then you're like, how come the USA is getting, is it that we have so many tests right now because our numbers just rocketing. It was like 15,000, 50,000. Now it's like 220,000 and a million cases. And China is still at like, you know, what is it, their report? It's like 100,000 or under. And you're like, I don't know who's telling the truth. I don't know what the tests are. I don't know what the recovery is. That's why it's good to hear from you. Um, yeah. Because people are just like, you get it, you die, you know, and it's like, doesn't matter how old you are. And you're like, well, isn't there people coming out? And then uh, I have friends that had a lot of friends go to fashion week and they described what was the worst cold where they felt like they were going to die. So a lot of people in that whole fashion world went through 
maybe COVID earlier, because they said it was like this deathly flu, oh. which was, when was Fashion Week? I forgot in New York. It was supposed to be a, a rampant time. I'm, I'm making it up. Was it February? I don't know. But people described what was it sounded like they went through a tour of this. Yeah. Um, and they all did well? Like, are these people you know now that, like... Yeah, they, they did, but they said it was awful. And you're like, it was, they were like, it was nothing like the flu I ever had, you know? But this is secondhand information. It's not right. firsthand. Like, I don't have any friends that are currently with it, you know? And I have friends that are powerful enough. It seems like, you know, the joke was, is like, if you want to get a test, just cough on an actor. Because, like, rich and powerful people are getting tested, even if they haven't even had one system, right. um, symptom. Right. But other people are like, you know, having a hard time. Right. I just wanted to go to a general practitioner just for a, a checkup. Uh, and I was switching. And I'm right in the middle of this. And absolutely no one's meeting anyone about anything. They're right. like, no, no, we can't meet you for like a checkup. No. You know? So you just wait, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to keep a level head <clears throat> and talk to people who know. And right. I look at the Hopkins numbers, which is like, you know, it's kind of, just a lot of cases uh, and 190,000 recoveries. And then our numbers, I don't know how many tests we're doing a day in the US, but it seems like we get 20,000 new results a day at this point. That's right, that's how it looks. Um, oh, what was I gonna tell you? I was gonna say mm. something, I, I'm half asleep because so I forgot. It was about what you were saying. Um, the testing, I lost my train of thought. Testing numbers, the data of all these countries and places. You oh, wonder who's telling yeah. the truth. Right, that, and I totally, totally agree with you on that. I think I'm, a, I'm kind of skeptical. I'm like a educated skeptical. Listen to all of it and kind of figure out what's consistent and what's kind of, eh. I don't trust that. Yeah. I listen to the news the way you do. Um, and the other thing I want to tell you, I have two. I, I know. So I have an ER doctor friend who just tested positive. She's okay. super healthy. She, um, young, healthy, thin, no medical problems. Um, she tested positive yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, um, so her symptoms are she, her, her fever spiked to 103 and she's got a massive headache. She's like, it's the worst headache I've ever had in my life. Um, no shortness of breath. She's gently walking every day. She's not doing any heavy exercise. She's just kind of like going out a little bit and taking a walk, coming back. Um, and I'm going to check on her today. Yesterday, she sounded great. And she has a friend who is in, uh, an ICU doctor who's got, COVID pneumonia. Um, and she's also doing okay. No medical problems. You know, when I say young and healthy, I mean, late thirties, early forties. I think that's the age group they're in. Um, and she's just doing okay. She's got this regimen where she's taking vitamin D, um, vitamin C, selenium, zinc, excuse me, hot lemon water every day. And, um, you know, basically just boosting her immune system as much as she can. And she's going to, I'll, we're gonna let's track them. I think they're gonna do. Yeah, great. I want to check in on it. What do you say to the the people? Some of my friends are like, "Yo, this is ridiculous. Why don't we just get this so we're ready for the next one?" What do you say to that guy? I mean, there's some truth to it. I had another ER doctor friend that who's working in Florida who was just like, "I I should just like, I should just lick a surface surface with COVID and just get it over with." He's like, I just want to get it over with, get exposed, and like be done with this. I can't take the the, the anxiety. Oh, I don't think I can copyright that music. My computer is very. That was very awesome. I don't think I could copyright that on the show. We'll see where that goes. 
Um, so wait, what do you say to that? Like, is that the most ignorant thing or is that like, um, well, the biggest thing is probably protecting you guys from having too many patients at the same time, right? To spread that right. out. That's the goal. That's, right. That's mm. the goal. If the hospital gets overrun, it'll be crushed. Um, so that would be bad. Um, and uh, I'm terrified. Like, I don't want to get it because I'm scared. Well, you'd be, you know, how many people would lose help? Like, you help so many people, that would be bad for that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, if those, if those, I think that's brave that somebody's like, let's just get it and get it over with and be done. That's brave. I, I'm sort of like, ah, how about we not get it? How about it just goes away? Like, I don't want to go through worrying about whether I'm going to get pneumonia and die. I feel right. like I'm young and healthy, right? But what, what if I'm not? What if I'm not as healthy as I thought I was? I don't mm -hmm. know. What if I... What if I'm susceptible because of my genetic predisposition and this is going to knock me out? Like The what ifs, I think at this point in time, the what ifs are just too overwhelming. Like I can't, you know what I mean? I just right. got to go yeah. breathe or go for another two hour walk. <laughs> I'm going to bug you again soon. And thank you for, you know, answering all this stuff. Yeah, uh, I hope that was um, helpful. Oh yeah, I think it was very helpful. It's good to, I don't know anyone that's in the room and anyone that's on the ground, period. Okay. All I have is just like word of nonsense. Yeah. You're you're so, doing it. You're touching them. You're in there. You're doing yeah. this. You're seeing this. Yeah. You so know? I can tell you like maybe a, two two more stories. Like I had I had a couple of young people um, as patients that worked in the city as um, clinician researchers at one of the big academic institutions, and they live in New Jersey. They were both slightly overweight, and they both had a remote history of asthma. Their asthma hadn't acted up in 20 years. They were both in their mid 30s. Um, and they were just sick enough to be admitted to the hospital. They were both like breathing too fast, just looked kind of bad. Um, and their pulse ox, that's the oxygen level, was just like at 91, 92. And because we weren't full, I was like, you are sick enough to be admitted. And I, and I you know, so what put them over the edge is that they were slightly out of shape and overweight. So not like cardiometabolically, you know, you know, healthy fit. And that remote history of asthma, even though it hadn't acted up in 10, 15 years, did that put them at risk? Was it the two together? Um, and are they going to be okay? Are they, I got to track them down and find out, you know, I, I admitted them to the hospital. I just have to find out, you know, are they going to make it out okay? I had diabetics, you know, the last couple of nights I've had diabetic um, men in their early 50s come in who look like they look sick, but they're, but they're not sick enough. So they're just that borderline. Their pulse ox is 91, 92. They're breathing a little fast. They look a little clammy and sweaty. And I'm like, you're just not sick enough to be here. You got to be sick at home. And yeah. that made them uncomfortable. One of them was like, please keep me here, please. And I'm like, I can't. I can't yeah. get you to bed. You're good. You're too healthy. I'm like, you have to do this, 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 and this. And if you, and this is what I learned from one of my doctor friends. I was like, how do you know with these borderline cases, who's sick enough to come to the hospital? So he said, I tell the patient to do this, 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000, 5, 1,000, 6, 1,000, 7, 1,000, 8, 1,000, 9, 1,000, 10, 1,000. If they can do that without getting winded, they're going home. And if at uh, home they can do that without getting winded, they stay home. And I say to them, as soon as you can't do that, if you do that and you can't get through those numbers because you're winded, then you come back and we'll take care of you. So I that's love what it. Now I'm telling people to, to do that. And I feel like that might reassure them. It gives them something to focus on. Yeah. Like a measure. Maybe they need that because they're like, how do I know when to Well, go? we're all self-diagnosing. I'm like, I feel a mild headache that maybe, be, you know, we're all, I talked to all my friends. We're all doing crazy shit like that. Like feeling your headache. I'm like, nope, not there. You know what I mean? Just crazy. Right. It's like just crazy. Getting it or not. 
Yeah. So do you think it's good to be out like exercising and getting sun and staying away from people and staying clean, not touching stuff? Yeah. Yeah. What do you wear when you go to the grocery store? Are you wearing anything? I'm not. But I'm also, if there's like way too many people in line and there's that whole gas mask end of the world shit, I don't go. I go when there's like four people and then I, you know, I just kind of uh, stay away, you know, right, right, right. and then I wipe down stuff. Sometimes they like over wiping down groceries, even when I get it, you know, I put it all away and like wipe right. the counter down. Like, it, yeah, it's right. a process. Yeah, it is. I have this ritual when I go out in the morning where I wipe all my keys and all my stuff, the door handle in my car and the steering wheel and all the stuff. And then it's ready for the day. It's right. kind of like psychotic and weird. Right. It's like my hands are dry from this uh, overwashing, I'm getting like emphysema or something. What's that called? That dry skin itch thing from overdoing it. But um, it is what it is. Yeah, um, I'm wiping down, and I'm not a germaphobe. So you're not a germaphobe either. No. So for us, we're like, geez, we got to do this. Like for the germaphobes out there, they're like, I've been doing this the whole time. Yeah. But for us, we're like, this is like a lot. And does this do anything when you go like that, or is it in the fabric anyway? So if you wipe your eye with your shirt, is that just as dumb as doing that? Probably. Probably. Because yeah. it just draws into everything. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. My germaphobe friends always take the corner of a clothes thing and they do that. They've been doing that forever. Yeah, that's not going to help them. I think mm -hmm. you're going to have to take like a, maybe a brand new Kleenex out of a box and then do that and then throw mm -hmm. the Kleenex in the garbage. That's the only way they can they cannot infect themselves. Um, I'm going to check in with you again. I don't want to keep you. I want you to yeah. rest. And thank you for helping all these people. I'm so glad that, you know, there's people like you that aren't losing their minds and are just staying focused. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly chill. I mean, I'm having a couple of panicky moments, but overall. I just want to, I want this to get to the other side. Who knows how long that's going to so, be. I want a celebration. Oh, and the other weird thing I was going to say is that. Yeah. Uh, last thought is that you know we're we've been if i feel like for the last 10 years you know when you say hello to someone you kiss them and you give them a hug know, right? yeah and that's i don't think we're gonna bounce back from that i think it's gonna be like no i my friend more. said the other day who's who's older that's been through the aids crisis and all these things he said there's no return to the world we knew and this isn't negative but the psyche will never be the same no matter what you know it's the it's gonna be a new world we're never gonna just be like, get back to it and forget. Irony is we're on Zoom right now, which is like the millennial and the kid dream to be <laughs> this disconnected shit. And it's almost like a higher spirit going, are you sure? Cause now it's all you can do. And you're like, That's I don't right. like this at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no humanity in it. And I wonder what the long-term of that is. The separation is so weird. Yeah, like but that part's making me like, kind of, um pessimistic about where this is going it's like careful what you ask for now you live on zoom you're a thousand percent in like you know the jetsons welcome yeah. to the new world and god I like that. no none of us do yeah none of us people our age i think are that excited about it at all no i'm not but stay safe stay healthy and um i'm gonna hit you and check in again i want to hear more stories and thanks for right, taking so the time to talk to me thanks patrick it was nice talking to you bye bye